Uh, right in the front of your bulletin is uh, Luke 10, 30 through 35. And I'm hoping that we make enough noise for the travelers around us on trails and so forth can hear our beautiful voices together. So let's start. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest came going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any expense you may have. Thank you. And we in Book of Romans, uh, we've been in the Book of Romans now for probably half a year, and uh, we had been having the same exact six verses on the front of our bulletin for like the past six weeks. So instead of having those verses, I decided to switch it up a little bit. And how many of you guys like that interactive story, huh? Sweet, right? And it meant a lot to me because we, we've in the past, we've done children's things down here and, 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 and right now we don't really have anyone to run with that, but we used to do that. And, and all of a sudden I got up this morning and I thought, I'm going to do that because you know who did that for me? My mom. My mom's a Sunday school teacher and I remember her doing that all the time and it was really encouraging for, for my mom this morning when I shot her a message when I was studying for my sermon and said, hey mom, I'm doing what you taught me. Now the pastor and the school teacher, uh, the, the Sunday school teacher and the rock band, that was my addition. <laughs> but my mom didn't do that one. Um, but yeah, you can totally borrow it. You can that that yeah, that is go on do it wherever. But I just I wanted to play the air guitar, so um, I did the rock band. Um, but if you have your Bibles, whether on your smartphone or you have it in the written form, or uh, maybe you're a really good Christian, you have the whole thing memorized. That'd be pretty cool. Um, Turn to the book of Romans, chapter 12. So the book of Romans, written by an individual named Paul, he wrote most of the New Testament. Paul's first name, actually, though, was Saul, and he was a persecutor of anyone who trusted and loved Jesus. Then he had a radical conversion where he met Jesus in a vision on a road, and the voice said, why do you persecute me? And he's like, I'm trying to do what's right. Jesus said, no, you got it way off. Let me help you out. You are now going to proclaim my name to the whole entire world world, and you're going to write a bunch of my literature, which is really, really incredible, and off goes Paul. So he writes the book of Romans. I did not want to preach through this book. This is a very, very heavy, heavy book. See, in high school and in college, I was that kid, and this is not good, children that are my children, close your ears, um, I picked whatever classes got me through that were the easiest. Any other of you guys do that? I did that. I was like, you know, what do they call it? B-level biology, B-level, you know, mathematics. I didn't opt to take well, that thing called chemistry or that thing called physics. I didn't need to do any of that. Like, I had done physics. I'm a skier. I know physics. 
I'm an expert in physics. Um, you know, and I got to college. And I was a business major and a Bible major, and there was this one professor in the English department named Dr. Ratledge. Yes, Dr. Ratledge. They called him the rat. And it, he was to be avoided at all cost. And thankfully, I didn't have to have him because I was a business major and a Bible major, and he was an English in the English department. So I just avoided him. Right when I had to do my English, I made sure I did not sign up for when he was going to do classes. Guess what happened to me my senior year? Your advisor, you have this thing called, um, I forget what it was called. Heidi, help me. What was that class we had to take our senior year? Senior something. It was like getting you ready to go into the real world. It was one of those classes where you had to read books and think and get ready to go back into the real world. I guess is that all college? I don't know. But you had to read books and think. And your advisor signs you up for this class. You don't sign up for this class. You sign up. It's called like senior something. And I got my paperwork in the mail about June or July. And guess who I had? Dr. Ratledge. The rat. Right, And so I don't like doing these academic, heavy, weighty things. And so when the Holy Spirit said, you need to preach through the book of Romans, I was like, can someone else do that? But he said no. And I'm so glad I did. Because here's the book of Romans. Paul just explains to you and me why, what we believe, and why we should believe it. It's this. It's the gospel. It's simply this. There is a God. That God is perfect. God created the heavens and the earth, and He created humanity. And when He created humanity, He created humanity unique, special, different. First, Genesis one chapter twenty, uh, chapter one verse twenty six says that He created male, He created female in the image of God, meaning He gave us a mind to know God, a will to choose God, and a heart to love God. And He did not give that to the trees. He didn't give that to the ocean. They don't have an opportunity to choose whether or not to love God. You and I are sons and daughters of God. How many of you have sons and daughters? How many of you have kids? Right? Now, would you like your kids to be robotic? It's okay. You can say yes. Once in a while, you would. But would that feel like love? No, it would not, would it? Your kids have a choice to love you or not. And when God created, He gave humankind a choice whether to love Him or not. And He did not give that choice to the trees. He did not give that choice to the Pemajuasset wilderness. He did, give, did not give that choice to the birds and to the beasts. He gave it to you and me. And so with that choice, we have all chosen to love things more than we love God. And they're not all bad. We have chosen to love our careers, our children. I have to be really careful as a pastor. I can choose to love my church more than I love God. We have choose to love His creation more than we love Him. We can choose to love powder days more than we love Him. <laughs> Ever try to take a bowl away from a dog when they're eating? Yeah? It doesn't work out so well, does it? You will find out what you love more than God when it's taken away from you and you get cranky. Is it your sleep? Is it your breakfast? You take my breakfast away from me and I am cranky. I get hangry about a half an hour after I wake up if I have not had something. Right? How many suffer from hangriness here? Oh, yeah. It's real. It's a real disease. Have a Snickers. 
We find out quickly what we worship. And Paul says that there's only one God that can be worshipped. But when we worship other things, we separate ourselves from God. God is perfect, and in Him there is no sin, Paul says. And when we sin, we separate ourselves from God. That's a problem. That's bad news. But the good news is called the gospel. And the book of Romans lays it out, and it says this, God in His perfection cannot be in the same presence as sin. And so God and man were separated. God and humankind were separated by our choice to love something other than God. But God in His infinite love and His infinite power sent a perfect sacrifice. His Son, who was fully man and fully God, He sent Him to earth to be perfect. Christ lived a perfect life. And when He lived a perfect life, we who are not perfect put Him to death. And when I read the scriptures, a lot of times I like to point the fingers and say, you did that. No, I did that. I did that. It's my choices. Christ willingly went to the cross, bearing our sin and our shame. And the boys that were around him and the folks that were around him thought it was over. They hid. They ran to a house and hid. But then, just like he said, on the third day, he rose again. And he came to them and said, hey, I told you guys, what, what, I told you 20 times. And they still didn't believe, and they're like, he's like, feel, feel my hands, feel my feet, see me, it is I. And then after hanging out with them for about 40 days, he gave them this great declaration saying, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and making disciples, following all that I've commanded you, and I will be with you always. And Paul sums this all up saying, this is the gospel. And in the chapter 1, Paul says, this is powerful. This is powerful that Jesus is who he says he was. And that the Bible says that you and I are who we say we are. But that's really difficult. It's really hard for even me, a pastor, to believe that Jesus was who he says he was. That was a long time ago. Written down in a book. Could be a fairy tale. Right? And then it's even harder for me to believe what the Bible says about me. The Bible tells me about me, Marcus Corey, a preacher in New Hampshire, that I am an enemy. My natural state is I am an enemy of God. That's hard. That's hard. But the good news is that Christ came and gave his life for me and for you. And what's incredible, he didn't just do that so that you and I could hang out on church on Sundays. He did that so that we could live a life of freedom. That we could live a life connected to a God and live according to his will. And to do that, he's given us gifts. And we get to Romans chapter 12, and we see the grace gifts. If you're taking notes, write that at the top. The grace gifts, or the gifts given by grace. Does anyone know what the word grace means? Grace means receiving something that you do not deserve. You know what the word mercy means? Mercy means not getting something that you do deserve. Right? Anyone played the game mercy before? No? Nobody played the game Mercy before. Do you guys have? Drew, come over here. Show them what the game Mercy is. I just want to say, if you were ever in elementary school, there was always a kid who like got you to play Mercy before you even agreed. He was like, you want to play Mercy? Right. right. This is Mercy. And whoever loses says, Mercy, 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 right? Because you're breaking your fingers. No one ever played that before? Now they're like, oh, they might have called it something else. That's called Mercy. They're like, Mercy, Mercy, Mercy. 
And as we go down through the gifts, I want to talk about the gift of mercy today. All right? So we're, I'm in Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to pick it up in verse 6. It says, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with, a, with as much faith as God has given you. If He's given you the gift of service, then serve others well. If you are a teacher, then teach well. If your gift is to, uh, is to encourage, then encourage. If your gift is giving, give generously. If God has given you the gift of leadership, lead with responsibility and seriousness. And if He's given you the gift of kindness or of mercy... Do it cheerfully. Do it gladly. So we're at the end here of the gifts. The gifts are prophecy. The gifts are teaching. The gifts are serving, encouraging, giving, leadership, and mercy. Now, here is what the deal is with the gifts. These are gifts, I believe, that are given to you at birth. I mean natural birth. I really think that as I look at Romans chapter 12, when I look at 1 Corinthians 12, I believe those are the spiritual gifts. And those are given to you at second birth. See, there's a second birth. There's our natural birth, right? Mine's May 24th, 1982. Any May babies out there? Woo! Cup, no, yes. Wow, not many May babies. Okay. Woo! How many August babies out there? Hey! As I get older, I now celebrate my birthday for a full month. You should. You can just blame everything on your birthday that month. Going out to breakfast, it's my birthday. We should go out to dinner, too. My birthday. You know? I, I love it. So, August, guys, go for it. Spend as much as you want. It's your birthday. Okay? I believe that these are the gifts given by grace to all humanity naturally at their birth. Versus 1 Corinthians 12 are your spiritual gifts given to you at rebirth. Rebirth is this. When you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you confess with your mouth your sins, that I am a sinner separated from God, and you believe in your heart that God has raised Christ from the dead, the Bible says you shall be saved. That is second birth. And if you have not experienced that, oh, I I wish it for you. I pray it for you. I pray that you have a moment where you go, whoa, God is who He says He is. And I am who He says I am. And I am going to put faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. And I am going to confess that I can't do this on my own that I am not good by nature, that I do need a Savior, and amen, I have one in the name of Jesus Christ. In His blood, it's powerful to wash away sin. It's incredible. It's incredible. And if He can do it for me, He can do it for anybody. I used to play mercy in middle school and not lose. But boy, oh boy, when I lost, it hurt so bad. So here are the gifts. These are the gifts, I believe, that are given to everyone at birth. There's the gift of prophecy. And when you use the gift of prophecy with your flesh and not with your spirit, it's annoying. Ever been around somebody that has the gift of prophecy and they're using it on their own power and not the power of God? It's very annoying. Want to find how it's done? Hang out with me sometime. My staff sometimes will be like, oh my word, dude, what did you, you said what to who? You said that? 
right? You want to see how the gift of prophecy is used when uh, it shouldn't? It shouldn't be? You say some things you shouldn't. I've done it. I've said some really horrible things that I shouldn't. Anyone have a relationship with their in-laws? I may have said something to my father-in-law that I should never have said. I was at their house. I was extremely upset. Something had happened back in Maine at my work. And my mother-in-law at breakfast was wondering why I was kind of bummed out. So I explained to her why I was bummed out. It was about a truck that was purposely destroyed at my work by another co-worker who knew that I was getting that truck restored. And it really frustrated me. I got it in an email that he had destroyed that truck. My mo- It was a 1951 Willys. Okay, it wasn't just a truck. And my mother-in-law said, oh, that's just a truck. You could, you know, don't worry about it. And I just kept my mouth quiet. I went outside and I thought, my father-in-law, he'll really get this. So I told my father-in-law about it. He then gave me a, a sermon on why this guy's soul was worth more than the truck and that I should forgive this guy and be kind to this guy. Now, he was right, but is that what I wanted to hear at the time? No. This is what happens when a prophet uses his words, right? This is what happens when a prophet uses his words, not directed by the Holy Spirit. So my father-in-law says, hey, his soul's worth more. I'm very quiet. And when I'm quiet, you know something's wrong. I'm either really mad or dead. And I'm working on the house with him. He said, well, do you want to hear any more about this? Or are you done talking about it? And I flipped around and I said, frankly, I don't need a mother-in-law who knows nothing and a father-in-law who knows everything. Thanks. Oh, that's what happens when a prophet uses his words not directed by the Spirit. It came out way too easy. Some of you are going, ouch. Otherwise, you are going, make a bumper sticker. Make a bumper sticker. I want that on my car. Make a t-shirt. I'd buy it. Oh, man. And that's what happens when a prophet uses. So I believe that these are given to everyone. Because I believe that I've met unbelievable teachers. Every single one of you have had an unbelievable teacher in your life. But when you use a gift of teaching under your own, it's not bad, actually. When you use it under your own strength, it's usually about what you're passionate about. So you're going to teach about you know nature, or you're going to teach about skiing, or you're going to teach about whatever it is. When you are taken over by the power of the Holy Spirit, your teaching goes crazy into God's Word and teaching people the truth of God's word, that there is a God, that he loves them, and he wants to be in relationship with them, and that they were designed to be in relationship with this God. That's what teaching happens under the power of the Holy Spirit. And encouraging under the Holy Spirit is unbelievable. An encourager who's operating outside of the Holy Spirit gets burnt. Gets burnt. They get bitter. They get upset because people just use them. People use encouragers. Wicked. But under the power of the Holy Spirit, they do it, they do it wisely without getting burnt. So now we make our way down to mercy. Now what's interesting about these last three, if you look down through these verses, right, it says this, if you are to serve, do it well. If you are to teach, do it well. If you are to encourage, encourage. He's just kind of repeating himself. But when he gets down to giving, leadership, and mercy, he uses different adjectives. He says this, if you are to be a giver, do it generously. And if you are to be a leader, do it diligently. And if you are to have mercy, do it gladly. What does that mean? Well, I believe these last three gifts, right? These last three gifts, giving, leading, and mercy, are ones that we all should do. These are just Christian virtues. But what makes it different when it's a gift versus just something we all should do? I believe it is 
an unexplainable abundance or fruitfulness or success in that gift. Right? Here's, here's an example. I believe that we all have the opportunity to be merciful. Right? Now, Mother Teresa had the gift of mercy. Right? She, she probably is one of the greatest gifted, merciful people ever. If you don't know the, the, the story of Mother Teresa, it's absolutely incredible. She was teaching school, and she was looking out of her window into the slums of India and saying to herself, this was her gift of mercy coming out of her. She could not contain it. That's when the Holy Spirit has come into your life and given you a gift. You can't contain it. It will overflow. And the more you get connected with God, and the more you're connected with the Holy Spirit, the more this gift is just going to come out, and you cannot contain it. You couldn't contain Mother Teresa if you tried. She was supposed to be teaching school. Guess what Mother Teresa's gift is not? Teaching. So there she was teaching school, and every day she was looking out the window into the slums of India, and her mercy couldn't handle it. She was freaking out. And so she began to write letters to the Vatican saying, I have to go where the poverty is the greatest. I have to go where the need is the greatest. If you have the gift of mercy, you're going to be drawn to where the need is the greatest. If you have the gift of mercy, watching the news is painful for you. Extremely painful. Because when you see a disaster somewhere else, you just sit there on your couch going, I can't handle this. I have to help. Sadly, I don't have the gift of mercy. You watch it. My wife has more the gift of mercy than me. When my wife reads a book about orphans in Africa, she's researching plane tickets. And I'm saying, whoa, 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 we're in New Hampshire. Right? When I read a book about orphans in Africa, I go, I'm going to pray for them. I don't research plane tickets. She's got more the gift of mercy than I do. Right? So Mother Teresa, with this gift of mercy, could not be contained in a classroom. So finally she broke away and said, I'm starting something on my own. And she moved right into the slums. She did not operate from staying here and working here. And that's what the gift of mercy always does. Mercy understands the cost and pays it. It's not the gift of mercy if it is not a sacrifice for you. Right? For helping people gets your hands dirty. Helping people makes your brow sweat. Helping people means you lose sleep and comfort. Why do you think the priest didn't stop and help the man on the road? Why do you think the Levite didn't help and stop the man on the road in the story of the Good Samaritan? You have to understand the culture to understand why they didn't. Really, it comes down to they were too busy. But the priest was probably on his way to do some work at a tabernacle. Do you know what happens when you touch somebody unclean in that day? This person's unclean. they got blood everywhere, right? And they didn't have PP&E, personal protection equipment, right? So it wasn't like the priest was traveling with his first aid bag and say, Sweet, glove up, right? Give me the AED, clear, right? He was going to have to get down. He was going to probably get blood on his clothes and blood on his hands. Do you know what that meant in that culture that day? For him to go back into his place of work, the tabernacle, he was going to have to ceremonially clean himself would probably take half an afternoon. A big commitment. That's why he did not touch that man that was broken and battered on the side of the road. Why didn't the Levite? Same reason. Very busy, had too much going on. 
You don't think Jesus Christ knew of America when he told this story? <laughs> you don't think so? Jesus Christ totally knew of you and me and our schedules. Mercy, mercy is not merely sending money to a nonprofit. Mercy is not merely showing up at a charity event and putting away tables and putting away chairs. All good stuff. Don't stop it. Mercy cost something. Mercy is getting dirty. Mercy is getting down to where the person is. Mercy always calls you away from where you are and to where the need is the greatest. And that's what Mother Teresa was saying. Mercy does not throw bags of help over from a comfortable position. Mercy leaves where you are and mercy enters in. You know why? Because when you have the gift of mercy that's being empowered by the Holy Spirit, you have compassion on more than just the physical needs of the people. You have compassion on more than just their hunger, their thirst, and their injuries. You, by the power of the Holy Spirit, have compassion on their soul. On their soul. And that is incredible. But here's the thing. If you in here have the gift of mercy, praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you very much. I don't. My children will be the first one to tell you. I'll never forget, right? I was in Maine, and we are at this Christian camp, and we had the local game warden over with his wife, and they had two kids that were about the same age as ours. They were like four years old. And we had one of those bike strollers that was connected to a bike, and for some reason they were playing in it. We lived on a hill. There was a nice field, nice mowed grass lawn that went all the way down to kind of to a woods. And they were playing by our, 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 our porch in this thing. And my daughter, Abishai, I think even Hattie too, were like four and two years old and they were in the stroller, the bike stroller. And the game warden kids were outside and they were playing. I don't know if they were pretending they were going somewhere or what. But somehow one of the game warden kids loosened the nut that held the stroller to the bike. And all of a sudden it went off, and what happened? The stroller began to pick up speed with my kids in it down the hill towards the, the woods. The merciful game warden, who has the gift of mercy, he totally does, was out of his chair, I don't know how he did it, out of his chair, through the screen door, down the porch steps, over the stone wall, and was chasing only like 10 feet behind this thing. Where the dad, who does not have the gift of mercy, was like, whoa, let's see what happens. I wonder if they're going to hit the oak tree or the rock. That's ought to leave a dent. Right? That's the, that is, I do not have the gift of mercy. Well, what's funny is my mother is a nurse. And she has the gift of mercy, but not for her own children. Anyone raised by a nurse? I'm not kidding you. I'm on the football field as a middle school student. I collide. I mean, so hard with this kid that both of us are out. Who does my mother run to? Not me. The other kid, are you okay? Are you okay? The coach is like, ah, Cindy, your son's over here. Ah, he's fine. Tell him to get back on the sideline. How are you doing, sir? You know? I don't have the gift of mercy. 
And my mom, I don't know if she really does either. Not for me, anyways. Right? But if you have the gift of mercy, you want to be where the need is the greatest. And here's what you have to watch out for. If you have the gift of mercy. If you have the gift of prophecy, you need to watch out for being annoying. If you have the gift of encouraging, you've got to watch out for being burnt out. If you have the gift of serving, you have to be be careful to not get burnt out. If you have the gift of giving, you have to be careful to not get jaded at people when they don't do what you want them to do with your gift. If you have the gift of mercy, you must be careful because depression comes to you easily. Depression is what you struggle with. And why is that? It's because you take the weight of the world on your shoulders. You put the weight of what you see on the news. You put the weight of what you see on Facebook. You put the weight of what you see at your work. You put the weight of what your children are going through on your shoulders. Listen to me, people with the gift of mercy. You are not the Savior. Jesus is. You've been given the gift to love others as He's loved Him, but you cannot save. You can only help. And when you take on the role of Savior, you will depress yourself every time. Mother Teresa struggled with depression hard. If you read Mother Teresa's journal, this is Mother Teresa. Do you know what Mother Teresa journaled? I don't know if God is real. If He is real, I'm not sure He's loving. You hear that? That's what Mother Teresa journaled. She was sending them to a father, a priest, in Italy. And she said, listen, never show anyone these journals, ever. He was smarter than that. He waited, and he waited, and he waited. Because he knew how embarrassing it would be to her if they came out. Her, Her doubt was strong. Her depression was even stronger. And then what happened when Mother Teresa passed away and she became a saint? He gave them to all of us, which are a huge gift. Because I doubt I struggle with sad thoughts, thoughts that they feel like there is no hope. <laughs> and then I read the journal of Mother Teresa and I go, Mother Teresa thought like this? Okay, I guess I'm all right. So glad he did not burn him like he, she told him to. She did. She did not want any of us to see him. I don't blame her. Do you blame her? It would be pretty embarrassing if you were Mother Teresa after all that you've done, all that you've been a part of, all the expectations. You're Mother Teresa. The expectations are pretty high. She would go back into her room and she'd throw herself on the floor and she'd say, there is no God. There is no God. And if there is one, he's not loving. That's how honest her thoughts were. If you have the gift of mercy, be careful. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. For when you try to put yourself in the position of Savior, you will depress yourself every time. These gifts are given by grace. We don't deserve these gifts, and they're not for me and they're not for you. If you've been given a gift by God, it's not for you. It's for someone else. It's through you. So when you see a gift under the tree, and it says, To Marcus, from Mom, that's to me. That's my gift. Okay? From Mom. Get your hands off. But if there's something on the tree from God, it's not going to say to you. Do you know what it's going to say? It's going to say, through Marcus. From God, through Marcus, for others. That's how you know it's a gift from God. Gifts from God are not for you. And if you use them for you, they'll turn to dirt in your mouth. 
They'll turn to mud in your hands. They'll haunt you. A gift given by God is through you to others. Jesus, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you that your word is true. I thank you for the folks that have the gift of mercy that are sitting here today. I thank you for the gifts of mercy, the people that have been in my own life. I thank you for the gift of mercy that you've given people that are helping around the world right now, God, with, with, with disasters and sickness and, and, and famine and, and malnourishment and all the different things that you've given the gift of mercy to these people. But Lord, Jesus, you told us in the Sermon on the Mount that we all are to be merciful. So in some way or shape, God, fill us with your Holy Spirit that we would all be merciful. And God, give the people that have the gift of mercy the Holy Spirit to guide them in their usage that they do not end up depressed. Help them to trust fully in you. Help them not to take the, the, the position of Savior. Thank you for this beautiful morning that we could hang out on side of the hill. So you need to pray. Amen.